0: Thanks for tuning in, we're Ace Comicals, I have with me my co-host Rahul Johnny and Leon Everett. I'm Greg Driver, let's get started. Hi guys, welcome to Ace Comicals episode 007. Uh, It's me, Greg Driver, and the usual suspects, Leon and Rahul, and again, we have stacks to talk about, or at least I do anyway, loads and loads to talk about. Yeah, so how have you guys been?
1: Yeah, not too bad, Um, it's been a busy, busy week for me, I don't know about you guys, but I've just been so busy, we've had the bank holiday weekend and I've just spent it doing stuff and... Being productive which is uh, against every fiber in my bones but um i guess <laughs> it's good in the long run <laughs> that sounds awful what have you been doing uh like diy and tidying stuff up and making plans and all types of adulty things but um <laughs> the downside is it's given me less time to um to read stuff so uh my uh, i haven't been able to really tuck into anything um deep apart from uh, pick up a few comics that I've been wanting to read for a while. But uh, otherwise, yeah, it's been tough. How about you?
2: I, I, I had my parents over for the weekend. And to bring it back around to comics, like, they, they went to a birthday party, and I learnt this word just, like, a month ago when we watched uh, Logan at the cinema. But it was a nonagenarian's birthday party and it sounded like they had a right blast. Apparently there was loads of alcohol at that party and it ended at seven. So um, I don't really know what <laughs> what they all did, just got smashed and then went home. But I got paid out of it, so it's yeah, it was, it was a good weekend overall. Nice, nice. That
0: sounds amazing. My, uh, my weekend was, well, there was birthdays, there was my mother's birthday. So we went out for dinner and had a few drinks at my brother's bar for that. On Friday night last week, I went to a music festival which was really cool, which reminds me of something that I'm going to talk about later on in this show. kind of fits together, actually, because the bands I was watching, it, it all feels very cantic. Which
1: comes Was it really le- a music festival? All well, I saw was you going bar to bar drinking.
0: It's a music festival set across several bars. <laughs> it's called Handmade. And it was basically £10 gets you into every venue all night on Friday night. Which so, was, I guess it
2: depends which way you look at it. It's yeah. either a bar crawl, or if you like the music, it's, the, it's a music festival. But, like, did you actually listen to any music? Yeah. Yeah. um so cool bands. bands.
0: Yeah. Um, HTMLTD, I think they're called, which were really cool. <laughs> okay. And there was a band called Dead Pretties that I quite liked. And they were What both type of on music are they, Bear? Like. Indie rock, punk rocky. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, HTMLTD is kind of. it's so many influences like wrapped up into one part so it's hard to describe that one but Dead Pretties is kind of like um it's got this whole sort of early 80s punk rocky indie vibe about it which was kind of nice but yeah this all this all sort of links into something I want to talk about later on the show because it's kind of got this is why I'm interested in a certain comic that's on my list today so I guess I should ask you guys what we've been reading then So what did we get the chance to read this weekend if we got to read anything in between being productive adults and doing cool things like going to music festivals? Well,
1: well, yeah, like, I, I, as I didn't really get too much time to, uh, feast on anything, um, I'll I'll go, I'll go first and, um, mine, uh, (laughs) oddly, uh, accidentally, but probably purposely, um, subconsciously, uh, both of mine are very, uh, female-centric, um, I'll talk about the first one, which is Infinite Loop. So going back a couple of weeks where we've been discussing the various bundles that have been coming out, the, the March one, which was the IDW bundle, um, one of the comics in there was um, Infinite Loop, which is more of your... When we say graphic novel, like it feels it's more of a graphic novel. I think it was released... Um, issue by issue but the way it reads reading it as one big trade it is sort of like one whole story in one and uh like i won't go too deep into any story or anything but the basic premise is that it's set in this uh like far far future in this uh, sort of weird society where um changes in time by people going back and forward in time cause um weird anomalies And these anomalies, um, take the shape of various things, um, which shouldn't be there. So often it's, um, like historical, um, artifacts from the past. Um, and then, um, other times it's just, uh, just some weird sort of opening that's happened in the wrong place. So, um, you have Teddy, who is the lead character and, um. Her job, basically, is she's one of, like... uh, Her and Ulysses, who's a partner, um, but he stays back at base while she goes jumping around in time trying to fix these uh, anomalies. So it starts at the beginning with her finding an anomaly quite different. um, They're normally inanimate objects, but this time the um, the anomaly is a (laughs) T-Rex. So... um, It immediately shakes things up, and uh, without going too far into it, later on, not too far, but um, she comes across an anomaly who is a woman, and that completely um, turns everything on its head and sets the main story in motion. Um, So this is done. I'm going to butcher these names. I'm preparing to butcher them Uh, since reading it. It's written by, uh, it's from 2015. It's written by uh, Pierrick Collinet, and uh, Elsa, and the art is done by Elsa Charretier, which is probably wrong. Um, and the cover for this one is done by, uh, for, for the whole trade, was done by uh, Elsa Charretier as well as Nicholas Bannister. And it's pretty cool. Um, it's very simple, but um, Teddy's sort of, her style is very sort of, you know, like pin up. A mix of that sort of fifties pin-up style, but also I can't remember the name of it. But you know the the poster of the uh, the lady with her like a uh, uh, arm curled and a bicep, and she's wearing the the hairnet, and it's like been like a uh, an icon for like for- women getting it done.
0: Forties propaganda postery type.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's, she she kind of has she's kind of designed in that style. Yeah, and it suits her character because her character is very much in love with jumping around in the past. Yeah, because apparently in their future, uh, it's a bit um, but to make things safer. They they've lost a lot of the edges, so a lot of things have been um, I can't remember the actual name for it, but it's basically they de-res stuff. So these anomalies, they shoot beams at them and they basically disintegrate them. Like in time and space and matter, but yeah, the cover's pretty cool. And, and it's like her, uh, and like it's got sort of like a, a light halo around, and then you've got a silhouette of a of a young one behind her. Uh, and it is it's quite striking. It has it kind of has this weird sort of um, early noughties PC game box type vibe. Like I'm not even sure what type hmm. of game it would have been. Maybe an adventure game. It, it, yeah, it kind of looks like that, the cover. It's very, like, the very big blocky words. But, um, yeah, it, it's quite eye-catching. Um, I mean, straight off the bat, it does some, like, really cool stuff in there. Um, they mess around with the form quite a bit. So you have um, bits where, like, the character's trying to make a decision, and then it'll go into, like, a flow chart. And often the flow charts are quite funny, quite silly um one of them is like really early on is when the t-rex appears and she gets a flow chart of the options are um run away from it and the next bit in the flow chart is are you a raptor or usain bolt and yes you idiot (laughs) um and you see sort of her thought process as she gets to what she actually does in that situation which i which i thought was pretty cool um but yeah i know it's, it's, it's an interesting interesting book um it's hard it's really like hard to properly delve into it, not particularly because it's story heavy but just because um it's got I know it's it's got quite an interesting style um and they they do a lot of stuff visually but at the same time there is like a lot of explanation but in in a way that's not too um, details orientated so you don't really get bogged down with that but instead I mean the flip side of that you get a lot of um, sort of skips in... so I, ha- I have this thing with a with a bunch of comics that I read from time to time where I, I, I think the pacing feels sped up in a way so you know like how with cartoons yeah, I think I've bro- had this point before um, but with cartoons it moves at a faster pace because there's less detail so, generally, like um, you watch an animated film, if it goes over the say eighty-minute, ninety-minute mark, you start to be like, "Whoa, how long is this?" Whereas with yeah. a movie, you only really get that feeling when it passes say the two and a half hour mark. The, well, your mileage, uh, your mileage may vary, but like um, yeah, it generally has a different feel to it, and that's mm. because like, there's a lot, there's a lot more details, a lot more specificity with live action uh, but with animation because they, it works with bigger actions and uh, bigger gestures um, generally it feels like the pace can move faster but I find that with some of the comics that, that uh, come across uh, and maybe because I've just been spoiled by writers who uh, like dwell on the details a lot but sometimes it just feels like what like how how's this character like feeling this way already like we're t- we're if one issue two and this character's like face this big sort of thing, like, and they completely change their like mindset and way of being. So sometimes I find that a bit jarring. Um, and, uh, and another sort of weird thing for me with this is um, sometimes I feel like the um, social commentary in it, like, it has two types. It has sort of a baseline one which I I think works best towards it where the sort of world and actions of the characters uh, work well without being like really strong um, um, allegory and instead um, there's lots of allusions to stuff and it's nice and neat and then sometimes when the characters are talking I'm like this is so on the nose it's like a favourite word of this podcast didactic and it really is it's like Here is the message we're giving to you. And when they do that, it kind of, like, turns me off. Bust the bubble, doesn't it? Yeah, Yeah. but then when they go back to the naturalistic stuff, which they start doing later on, uh, it's way better. And, like, they take, like, a good left direction uh, in the middle, which I really appreciated, and it, it made me enjoy it a lot more because at that point I was starting to, like, um, I don't know. I was starting to like be a bit iffy with it, but um, once it took that left turn, it did go into a way more interesting direction, um, and it, it 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 eases off the uh, accelerator in terms of whacking you over the head with some of its uh, some of its themes and messages. But I, I was wondering because this was originally written in French. I'm wondering if that's just a cultural um, difference. Well, obviously it's been translated but um if it's one of those things where certain phrases translated come over as like rarely like in your face or, or whereas or they don't
0: work in english so they have yeah, to, they have to find an equivalent phrase
1: yeah whereas yeah. the original words might have been uh, um just more like th- thematic and we don't have that so yeah. it, it might be down to that or it might just be down to weird up and down writing but um yeah, over, overall i'd recommend this i think uh Elsa Ch- uh charatier's work um art and colors are really cool um I, um i just love everything has like this nice sort of like uh, sort of crisp design and when things are getting a bit sci-fi the uh the way it's visually represented is pretty cool as well um where you have sort of lines and and, and glitches and When things get derezzed, I cannot remember the actual word for it, but when they get, like, derezzed, you have weird, like, boxes over different, like, elements or body parts of it, and it'll be, like, x-ray or, like, uh, um, another organ or something like that, and it, it looks like a horribly painful process.
0: Like they're peeling it back layer by layer to get rid of it well, kind of thing yeah, yeah. but it,
1: it looks like they're not doing it all in one go so different parts of you are being derezzed at different times yeah. deconstructing at different moments yeah but um, yeah it looks horrible tot- cause it's like <laughs> total bit, protonic bit
0: bit. total protonic reversal it's quite well, also
1: sense. another thing that this does that i've never seen before and maybe it's just because i t- i don't read enough comics That this is the first time ever when i'm reading a page and i mean i'm terrible uh, when it comes to uh, social media, texting, speech, and adding emoticons, for a long time I was very conservative, and i was like, "Well, I'm not using emoticons. <laughs> I do use an emoticon. It'll be colon p. Like, I'm not using those actual artistic ones." <laughs> and then one day, the dam just broke, and I just, I just became an utter whore for uh, emoticons.
0: It's your fault that I'm using them, Leon. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, I was going to yeah. say <laughs> you're the reason. About. <laughs> you basically like one day basically talking in hieroglyphs these days. Yeah. I think
1: like the, the dam broke, and it's because I started to see the uh, extra lang or the hyper linguistic um, benefits of them. Um, in the same way that I think gifts in the right hands are a really smart form of comedy. I mean, we've lost a bunch of listeners because I've said that. But there you go. But like, in one of the... And it happens a couple of times, but yeah, I'm reading a speech bubble and then... A lot of the time, uh, like, you have extra things around the speech bubble that will denote uh, what the character's feeling. In this one, midway in the speech bubble, there was an emoticon of the character blushing. And I was like, what? What? And this comes... It's the one two punch because this came after a page where a character says something pervy or whatever. The character um Teddy looks at him and what he says in his speech bubble is the troll face, like the actual troll face. Like the the actual troll face meme like appears. I'm <laughs> like, what the hell am I reading? I mean this is this is written in twenty fifteen, so this this is the world we're in now. I mean I don't know if that was translated from French. <laughs> 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 I, I assume they use the same emoticons and memes that we do, but um, yeah, that that's blew me away. I'm guessing like, I'm guessing
0: that's like a leaves it up to your imagination type thing. Like well, no,
1: it's kind of it's a different way yeah. to do those sort of um, sort of or like in the in the more sort of cutesy comics where they have like extra things outside of the bubble around the character, like talking about their mood it is it is a, a novel yeah. and interesting way to do that, but first, yeah. I thought, oh, this is going to be terrible. But I kind of don't mind
0: it. Yeah,
2: um, well, It's, cause so, it's I mean, kind of a universal language, isn't it? It's yeah. like you were saying That's earlier, the... like, like you don't know when something's lost in translation. And I have that fear a lot when I'm reading something that isn't originally in English. Hmm. Like that kind of thing breaks through the barriers a little. It's kind of interesting. I find myself I wondering
0: with stuff like that, if I read something, like you say, that isn't originally in English, like, or if I'm playing a game that was translated from Japanese to English and I'll be sitting there playing it and I'll be thinking, is that the original gag? Or, or am I I'm even getting the original game sometimes? Or am I even getting the original, you know, what the story, have they changed it? How much have they had to change it for it to apply, for it, you know, for it to appeal to me? How much have they had to alter this from its original standing? But I guess with with altering it between French and English, I don't think there would be too much... Because it's you know, France is in the west. They have the same things we do. It's not. It's not like the difference between Japan and England, for example, or Japan and America. It's not but that it, kind it's of. Not cu- it's not that kind of culture shock, though, is it? I know.
2: Like, it's not just cultural differences, though. Like yeah. you would expect with Japanese manga and the Japanese stories and English stories. Yeah. It's also like because if it's okay for me to move on to one of the things that I was reading, have you have you finished your piece on on Infinite Loop, Leon?
1: Yeah, I did have a second comic I was
2: going to talk about, but we could. <laughs> well, no, because can can, if I can jump in here, because I've been reading an Italian comic uh, called Zero Calcare, and that's one of the things I've been thinking of while I've been reading this is like just how much am I missing that's been lost in translation, even though it's another romantic language. Like how much it is up to like it's the difference between liberal and literal translations and like you were mm. talking about video games and I've been playing Persona 5 recently and it's got a really good translation like it doesn't feel unnatural whereas reading this Italian comic you can definitely feel that there's a bunch of jokes that they've tried really hard to keep in context without resorting to like footnotes or anything keeping it within the the page but you could just tell there's something lost so if I can backtrack a second so this This comic that I've been reading is by a guy called Zero Calcare, and that's his pseudonym. I think his real name is Michele Rec. Michele Rec, Um, and he's a guy that I've heard my friends talk about for years. But he doesn't. He's got loads of Italian comics, and he's been doing it like a. He started off by doing web comics and daily blogs written as comics in Italian, um, like a decade ago. And my friends have been following him since the beginning. And he's got a bunch of novels, and only one or two of them have been translated to English. And I've been pining to read these comics for years, as I've seen like my girlfriend and her friends read them. Um, and so I finally picked up one that has been translated to English recently, which is called... Um, sorry, one second. Lost the title. Kobane Calling. And it's him... It, it kind of reminds me of Mouse, because it's him going him as an author going to the syrian border and relating his experience of what he oh. found when he was there and it's interesting because i'm coming into the experience of this author right from the middle having known in the past that my friends like him because he's such a funny guy and he's our age and he makes loads of references to contemporary comics and anime and manga and you know tv shows and whatnot um, but this particular thing that I'm reading is quite, it's quite a serious topic, um, but you can tell the underlying humour of him. And it's, it's a weird one because I'm reading into his humour, but I've dived into his most serious work yet. And that's where the thing came in of, like, I'm not really sure if what I'm reading is his voice or it's the translator's voice and... I, just, I wonder if you guys have ever experienced that elsewhere, and I'm, it's interesting that you brought up Infinite Loop as having that same issue. Yeah,
1: like, I can't think off my head of any um, like comics, but one thing that's like, slightly off-topic that I can think of that, um, is with the translation of Curry, uh, the uh, anime by Gainax. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, And with that, there's a lot of... I mean, with a lot of anime, especially for that time, there's a lot of uh, localizations. But because uh, localization like aspects, uh, where they sort of change the cultural things around, and in that, there's a lot of stuff where the the actual Japanese uh, cult... uh, Like, you listen to the dub. um, Like, the dub is is not bad at all, but the downside it has is that a lot of the references it makes... Mm. Are weird because they're, they're. I think they're trying to be accurate in the same way that the references in the Japanese one relate to stuff from a particular time. Yeah. The references they use are rarely sort of dated and weird and mm. don't really work.
0: Most most of the times I've felt that has been when I'm playing games, like uh, if I play a J a JRPGs for example, there'll be there'll be certain things that that come up and you'll be thinking that's not surely that's not the the you know i'm not i'm not getting the original game here i'm getting what the translator has roughly surmised is probably easier for me to digest than what was in the original because it because of the, the you know the cultural differences and everything else and the fact that the, the the humor is so different and it references things that i would have no idea about because it's it's things that i i've grown up in an almost completely different world if you understand
2: Mm. Um, it's weird because it gives me a little bit of anxiety thinking about it just how much i'm missing (laughs) like there was it's weird because this particular comic i picked up yeah um it's 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 weird because it's sometimes it's a really good translation and then suddenly in the middle there's dropped a page that just hasn't been translated it's really odd like it's seven pages of english and then suddenly one page of untranslated italian that's been inverted for some reason so all the blacks are whites and all the whites are blacks i don't really understand why? I don't know if it's a glitch in what I downloaded or it's just really poor publishing, but I had to get Anna, my girlfriend, to translate it for me. And she was like, there were so many points where she had to stop and go, this is what this means, here's the context behind this particular thing that he's saying, because the way he talks is kind of colloquial and he's quite jokey. And also apparently he uses a Roman dialect, because that's (coughs) where he's from, which is quite unusual, and that adds to part of the humour. So the way that if we were reading something that had um, like phonetically written a thick scottish accent or something like how would you translate that to it for an italian audience or for a french audience and it's just it, it kind of like it's really interesting to that i've got someone to turn to to explain these things but i if i didn't have that i'd just be anxious the entire time <laughs> reading this thinking that i'm missing half the story no yeah yeah I I, was...
0: yeah I I completely get where you're coming from with that totally um Leon, you wanted, you had your second comic to talk about, just a second. Yeah, sorry, to I interrupted. So, Yeah, so we can we can get this one in as well because I I, I I know what this one is and I I've been quite liking the look of it for a while. So yeah, man, go for it. Uh,
1: well, yeah, no, the second one is uh, the comic uh, Rat Queens by uh, Curtis J. Weeby, I assume his name is, who's uh, written the whole run. And um the artist is Rock Up Church, who I believe only does the first um the first eight. Um and the cover of the first of the trade, uh, for volume one, which is um you know, it's called Sass and Sorcery. Um done by uh, Fiona Staples. And it's a really cool cover. But it's basically the uh the four Brat Queens, uh facing off against this uh, gigantic sort of lizard beast who's like halfway into a mountain um, and his mouth is glowing green um, about to uh, do some sort of green fire or something I assume um, and in that one image you sort of get the the four characteristics of the four main characters which I think is pretty cool Um but yeah, like the comics itself, I mean, the very basic idea of it is that you have Betty, Hannah, Dee and Violet who are a team of sort of rogue adventurers who um, generally go around sort of cleaning up the town of like uh, never Neverdwells and bad guys and stuff. But they're also quite rowdy um, and get into a lot of trouble with the law. So the beginning um, starts off with them being put on notice and they're given a mission uh, where basically if you don't do this, you have to leave the, the palisades, which is the name of their sort of town place. Um, where um, yeah, if you don't do this, uh, you're gonna you're gonna leave uh, forever and blah blah blah. So they go and do it, and uh, all is not as it seems as they get uh, they get attacked, um, and then they have to fight off against this giant troll which is kind of cool because the main idea is they were meant to go out to sort out um like goblins um and then like <laughs> they end up almost getting assassinated and they also have to fight the uh the goblins so it's kind of a nice sort of um flip on that. But like um yeah, I really like this book. Um again it's has like an irrever- irreverent humor, and um, it marries that with four very um, sort of individual characters, where they each, at least in my head, they each had their their own voice. Mm. Um, <clears throat> because of that, um, I know it just felt like it was just jumping out the, off, um, off the uh, off the screen for me, um, and it's. a very easily readable um just because like the art is really cool. I love the character design. I love the look of the char- um like the characters, their like designs, especially the four main rat queens. Um I love how their like different abilities are represented. I think the actions um illustrated really cool. Um yeah, it, it, it all comes together in a really cool way, but I mean at the centre of it you just have this sort of silly off culture humor. humor and it's it's fun to be in this sort of sort of fantasy-esque world of monsters, elves, dwarves, um, like crazy, like, foreign uh, gods and stuff. And just to see it all come together It's this silly show. Like, um, see, I do it again, as I always do, as this silly uh, sort of adventure comic. But I, I love it and um, definitely going to be reading more of this. Um there's just, like, semi so little, like, weird touches throughout it, like, um, as well as the the, the rat, rat Queens, you have these other groups, um, one's called the Four Daves, and it's literally four dudes called Dave, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you have the Brother Ponies, who are another team, um, and it is funny, because it, it is sort of, like, watching, um, like, a Showtime, mm. uh, fantasy show or something, where they're, like, uh, There's like a comedy bent to it, but it's also everyone gets their uh, swears and their insults on. Yeah. In a a really, like, fun and and interesting way. This
0: this brings me on to something, actually, that I picked up this month that you would likely on if you like this. So I just want to put a mention out there for a comic called Rose by Image, which started this month. Um, So issue one was out a couple of weeks ago. And if you're into your fantasy stories with strong female leads... That's your thing.
1: Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, yeah and that's another thing. Uh, like comparing this, um, uh, unfairly, but uh, comparing this to uh, Infinite Loot, uh, like any sort of like message or anything like that isn't really in your face. But what they do, they make the characters like actual people. So they feel like they've all got past. And they, um, bear in mind, this is only the first five issues. But they feel like they've all got like pasts and histories. That they, they touch on but people act, the characters act quite realistically where it's like uh, a character has a, has a chance to talk in depth about their past at the moment and that's a perfect time for them to flash back or have this uh, loads of exposition but the character's like yeah I don't want to talk about it, not right uh-huh. now let's focus on, uh, on the, the mission at hand and it is really cool and a lot of the characters have like where sort of relationship thingies, and I mean that not just like romantic, but like friendship uh, or like uh, camaraderie things where it's like uh, we're not really the biggest fans of each other, but what, we do the same thing. Or like uh, we have this history that is really awkward and odd and maybe it's unrequited in some way. But yes, yeah, like I was, I've known this was good for ages. This is one of the comics that I bought for my sister, I think two birthdays ago. Yeah. Um and always meant to uh, properly uh dive in. I, before this I'd read the first um two issues, but I hadn't never had the chance to finish the the whole um the whole first trade, but yeah, I'm definitely going to be reading on. Um I think this is just such an easy pick-up read um for everyone really, like mm. for everyone. Um Yeah, I mean one thing, if I've got any negatives, um so far, I'd say that um, I not maybe at early on it gets um, I don't know it, maybe it's not it's not as forthcoming as it could be on mm. some stuff. But yeah. um, I, I I don't really think that's too much of an issue to be honest. Um, there's a lot of a lot of love for me for this Assassin Sorcery uh, first volume.
0: Yeah, man. Sounds, sounds good. It's something that I've been wanting to read for a while anyway. It's something that I've been looking at and thinking, oh, that looks really cool because I like Dungeons and & Dragons and that kind of looks like a D&D, uh, D&D campaign gone bad, you know?
1: <laughs> I kind of want to read it. It pretty much is and yeah. it, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, I could hear your voice faintly uh, <laughs> c- commanding what was going on. And this
0: is why when we played D&D the other week, Leon decided to be a female warrior, I'm assuming. <laughs> because he's been oh, no, reading Wack
1: Queens that's, that's just me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
0: I thought I, I as soon as I saw rat Queens on your list I thought I wonder if that had something to do with it if it's because he's been reading Wack Queens he was inspired by the characters in rat Queens <laughs>
1: No, I, I think it's that way around I was like yeah I've, I've been a, a
2: tough badass in a fantasy setting let me read about some badasses in a fantasy <laughs> setting that's why you're connected to it yeah I've seen this on the shelf for quite a while I never had a reason to pick it up but yeah, with your endorsement, I'll, I'll check that out. Yeah, I,
1: w- I would definitely recommend it for everyone in this uh, in this chat right now.
0: Yeah. So, um, I'm going to come on to what I was getting into earlier, basically, with the music festival that I went to. Um, so, I had picked up this comic called Godshaper, which is Boom Studios. Um, issue one's out, well, it's last month now, April, which is... When Rose came out as well. Um, and I um, I picked it up because I, I, I'd i read about it on the previews websites. Um, and I, I kind of had, you know, quite high expectations for it, actually, from what I'd read about it. Because the writer, um, a man named Simon Spurrier, or Spurrier, I don't know how to pronounce his name properly, I'm sorry um but he's a british writer who um has worked on the likes of judge Dredd. he's worked on x-men he's done cable psylocke marrow uh like when he basically when he wrote x-force it was like cable psylocke and marrow and phantom x he's done um he's done so many different things this guy's like he's got like a he's written a lot of stuff and uh he's now writing this comic called Godshaper, and his partner in crime on this, the artist, is a guy called Jonas Goomface, who has this really, like, punchy, punk rock kind of style going on with his artwork, and it's really... There's, you know, there's a lot of... A lot of detail. um, It's a lot of movement, and it just looks, you know, really nice, really cool. Um, And this is why... Because in this comic, Godshaper... Uh, you've got this character called N.A. who is what they call a shaper. Um, What happens is in 1958, the laws of physics go bye-bye and there's no power, no electricity or anything like that. And everything that you would rely on, you know, like electricity and things like that, it is replaced by everyone getting their own personal god. Now, these gods are... They're your bank account, they're your livelihoods, they're everything basically. They do everything for you, Um, but they're your personal God. And People trade in worship, so when you want to pay for something, so someone uses their God to make, say, hot dogs or slushies, and you want to buy a slushie, you have to pray to their god your god gets smaller their god gets bigger and you get slushy so it's, it's this, this way the economy works it's an economy that deals in worship now this guy na doesn't have a god he's born without a god he's what they call a no goddy and no one likes him people think pe- people without gods are weird you know that it's like this whole prejudice surrounding people without gods but at the same time, everyone loves and needs him because he's what's known as a shaper. He can turn other people's gods into other stuff. He can... Like, if your god's function, for example, is a camera to take photographs and your livelihood is photography. And you need a god that can take better photos, he can modify your god to do that. No one else can. Only shapers can do that. Um, the front cover is yellow. Yellow. Uh, and then uh, yellow background. And then on the front, you've got a, a, the a sort of like a, a shot of the main guy kind of hanging his head a little low, looking a bit like a vagrant with a stick over his shoulder. You know, the little sack on the end of the stick with his stuff in it kind of thing. When you see the old um, cartoons of pe- you know, like people going on a journey or hobos, he's, he's got like the uh, tatty looking coat over his shoulders. Because everything that he's got, because he, he hasn't got a god and he can't collect um being well, like the can't collect money like everyone else can or, or what they trade in he can't collect like like everyone else can he has to um he has to be paid in kind for his services so people pay him in old clothes or food or whatever um and there's also this other the other character the other main character which is a god without a human so he's the human without a god and then you've got a god without a human as well that hangs around with him and they kind of run a little racket. So while he's doing his shaping business, this god that doesn't belong to him but hangs with him anyway, um does does some stealing for him, basically. Um and the the connection with the music festival is because he has this uh he believes in this thing that called Cantic, which is in this world, obviously musicians and pop stars in this world will use their gods to help them make music. And it's kind of like being a pop star now and having the help of auto tune and things like that. But he believes in cantic, which is making music without gods. So pure unembellished music without the help of your, your, your God. It's like, it's primal. It's, it's just him strumming a guitar or whatever on stage. And you know, it's this whole sort of like counterculture surrounding it. So he goes from city to city and he plays shows for other people that believe in Cantic. And he puts on his glam makeup and everything. He gets up on stage and he's like hitting this guitar and you know, the kids are going nuts for it. And it's like all the, um, what, what society at this point, because it's kind of stuck in the fifties because everything went to pot in 1958 and they're kind of stuck there. So what society would deem undesirable in the 1950s? What, what the people they would deem undesirables, are the people that like the counterculture tend to gravitate to cantic, which I guess in you know, a it's kind of it's basically punk rock. It's basically punk rock, and it's really cool to see it in this comic. I love it. Um, Sounds
1: really interesting. Like there's a lot of um, there's a lot going on in this ideas book. Yeah. And illusions in there.
0: And yeah, I'm looking at the art
2: style right now. It looks, yeah. it looks really nice. It's like there's got this strange palette like um castle yeah, vibe to it. So uh,
0: Jonas Goonface, he's kind of uh, come out of well, he's like a kind of breakout talent really. He's this is mm. I think this is the first high ish profile thing he's worked on himself. Um I think he's worked on other stuff, but I think it's all been self published. I don't know an awful lot. Um From what I can tell, I think he's been working on and selling his own stuff, but this is like the first thing he's done that's been like on a a high published level, I think. Um,
2: so, so is it just one issue out so far? Yep,
0: just one issue of Godshaper so far.
2: It's uh, Looking at the cover, is yeah. stunning.
0: And, and what a hell of an issue it is. It ends on a, a nice little cliffhanger like everything that I'm going to talk about this time. Yeah. Um, he's, uh, But yeah, it's, it's, it's some great world building in the comic. The artwork's stunning. Um, and it's it's a great world to be in and jump into. And I want to know more about it. I like this idea that people have gods and gods do things and there's people that can repurpose those gods for you. Because there's no you know, there's no electricity or anything else. You rely on your god for everything.
2: Yeah, that god that hangs around with him is super cute. Yeah,
0: yeah. that's that's like that's the the god without a human.
2: Oh, and one thing before you move on, the uh, the, the stick that he's carrying with the little sack tied yeah, to the end yeah, is
0: yep.
2: it's called a bindle.
0: A bindle, ah, okay, now I know. And knowings <laughs> half the battle. Uh speaking of which, I'll get onto that later. But um... so um yeah everybody should be reading this It's definitely recommend it to you so pick up issue one because it's only one you know it's like it's it's, you're there at the start get in at the beginning guys um and yeah so like out of all the things i've bought this month uh i had a, a i had like three top picks and this is one of them and this is probably number one Maybe, maybe not number one, actually, because maybe there's something here that I would put. Yeah, there is definitely something here that I would put above it. But that's just my personal preference because I like things that are a bit more. I like things nuts. Um, And this this is this is cool, but it's not it's not nuts in a Greg way. Uh, Next thing I guess I should talk about is a comic called Redneck, which is on Image Comics. Uh, front cover, it's blue and red, like the rest of the comic. There's this whole sort of, like, blue and red palette theme to it. Like, everything is, is coloured in blue, red, white and black. There's no other shades. It's all various shades of blue, red, white and black. And it kind of mimics the night sky going from night to dawn as you go through the book. Uh, but the front cover is, is, is follows, it carries this palette. And it's a, a close-up of a dude's face with a moustache and everything, and he's very messily and viscerally biting into a barbecue rib. Um, But you can see he's... Yeah, yeah, it is. You can see he's got these like vampire fangs, like, peeking. So you get kind of an impression of what this book might be about. I mean, when you first look at this front cover, you see him biting into that meat, and you think, is that human? You know, you look at it, and you think, maybe this is like... Because it looks very... I don't know, when I read it, it invokes cannibalism. When I look at this, front cover, it, it, it says to me, this dude's a cannibal, but he's not, he's a vampire.
1: As Human gristle. Yeah,
0: as you find out, as we're looking through the book, um, basically, this is family of vampires, and they're in uh, Texas, and they are trying to stay under the radar, because you get the impression that in the past they've been hunted. They've lived through centuries and centuries of stuff. The, the main guy who's narrating it from the start is talking about how he was there at the Alamo, um and he was born before Texas was even you know Texas he's and and he he lived in Texas when Texas was began with a J he says which is obviously before it was Texas um and he's been through the American Civil War and then he's sitting there on the porch now and he's swigging a beer and then he gets interrupted by his uh, I think it's his niece it's his niece and uh, she's got she's a vampire as well and she's got psychic powers but he doesn't know that she's well she's listening to his thoughts and she just all of a sudden comes out with a question so when he starts talking about the civil war she interrupts him and goes what side and he basically makes him fall out of his chair and drop his beer everywhere which is hilarious (laughs) because he's like you shouldn't do that you shouldn't listen to my thoughts kind of thing it's quite funny Um, but yeah he's you know and they've got the typical sort of like southern dialogue down and everything else which is really cool Um, and the beer that they drink is made of paint thinner and cow blood (laughs) (laughs) it's hilarious it's great Um, but well, as 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 funny and kind of nice as the beginning of this book is knowing that they're vampires and they've probably done terrible things in the past and they're now trying to get away from that um the tension starts to build so there's three young boys that live here as well they're like kind of like uh young men slash teenagers now you obviously as we know vampires either don't age or age slower so Whereas the old men in the family are like hundreds of years old. These young men are in their sixties, but they look like they're in their twenties and thirties, you know? Mm. Um, and they want to go out. It's Christmas Eve. And they're like, no, we're going out. You know, we want to go out in the town, into town. And the dad's like, no, you're staying here. You got to stay here. We're, you know, and they're like, no, we want to go out into town. And this is where it all goes wrong because they head off into town and they cause trouble. Or trouble finds them. And this is where it all starts to slowly go wrong. And this this tension that builds up. Comes to a bit of a crescendo at the end of the comic. Which I'm not going to spoil. Um, and. It, it starts to go. A little bit downhill. And you get the impression that their quiet way of life. You know. Draining cows and drinking cow's blood. Instead of killing people and drinking human blood. You get the idea that their way of life. Is going to come to an end quite abruptly. And they're going to have to try and you know. Fight for survival basically to because they are going to be hunted you know and they've been they've been safe from it for a while but it's coming and you can tell that it's coming again because the the warnings there at the end and and there is blood drawn and it's a fantastic read and like i said when you read through the comic it goes from from you know night sky palette to morning palette and it's beautiful the way they do it the way they use the blues and the reds the writer is donny cates who is also the writer of something else that i've probably raved about on this podcast before called god country so it's the same writer as god country also on image comics i love both books both books are southerny texany and he's writing this from experience because I, I think that's where his family hails from so he's writing this from experience he's got he's got this down this way of life down kind of thing you know do you um, see
1: any similarity between them
0: only the fact that it's like hard old men being hard old men you know drinking sitting out on the porch kind of thing and like yeah because basically god god country is a hard old man with a sword given to him by you know like a, a, a sword that belongs to the gods basically that comes into his possession and rednecks redneck at the moment is about uh, well, I get the impression that it's these two brothers, um, JV and Bartlett, who are, and, and then there's like the mysterious Patriarch Elder, who's like the grandpa who lives up in the attic of the house. And I think he's got like the Nosferatu look going on, but you don't see much of him. You get kind of like a little shot of him and he can read minds too. He's the only other person other than the daughter that can read minds. But I get the impression that it's more about Bartlett and JV trying to keep the family in line. mm. Um, so they they're, those two are the two that are kind of like, you know, we say what goes and JV's like very hard line. You know, he wants to be a pacifist. He's like those lad, if those boys kill anyone or those boys do anything, they ain't coming back here. Ain't having that evil in my house kind of thing, you know? And it's, um, but yeah, there's definitely similarities between the two books. If, if in the setting, because obviously this is what this guy knows. So this is what he's going to write. And I love both books. They're both fantastic. Um, but the the artwork in this is absolutely gorgeous. it's got like this kind of like tense dark you know realism about it, as well as being you know still a comic book and and this this the way they use the colours in it is just yeah, I love it it's fantastic um moving on from that last one for me this month uh of my picks out of this month's pile of stuff. Comic called *Narn Wolf*, so we've gone from vampires to werewolves, two classic staples <laughs> of American horror and whatever else horror. So, is your theme, Greg? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, *Narn Wolf* is is the crazy book. *Narn Wolf* is about a kid who gets drafted to fight in Vietnam during the Vietnam War, and when he gets to Vietnam, he finds out he's a werewolf.
2: <laughs> <Bad> luck. <laughs> some of your favorite books always start off this way x happened and suddenly Z came out i know <laughs> it sounds great that is more. no fun. no it is
0: fantastic it's brilliant do you remember when we had that like i was we were like just having a conversation before ray and i was talking about like what if wolverine went to vietnam if we had a, a comic where wolverine was in vietnam well i think we've got it now i think <laughs> this pretty much sums up like that part of it Uh, it's kind of like wolverine obviously wolverine and the hulk because when he turns into the werewolf he doesn't remember any of it but um basically he he gets drafted into vietnam and he's like this the narration in it is like um again the narration's like spot on because it's done in this kind of like american way you know using american slang like oh you know the dude the, the kid was like a buck 25 soaking wet had no business being in the nam and all this stuff and then like it get and and you know you meet his teammates and they're like uh, you know like he meets this is the best damn man that he you know that he ever met and it takes you through the people that he was put in a squadron with, but before he leaves to Vietnam, his dad gives him a letter and his dad's like you'll know he's like you'll know how you'll know to open it you'll know when to open it you know just just open it when the time's right and he's like okay, and obviously he doesn't know anything about this but then like some there's a woman there when the bus pulls off and the woman's like I'll pray for your son sir, and he's like don't pray for my son pray for everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Because, <laughs> obviously, the dad knows. Uh, obviously, it, werewolfism runs in the family or something, which we don't find out yet. I mean, we get kind of get a little bit of flashback. Kind of the impression he's probably turned into a werewolf before. But, anyway, so he's there one night, and they're all sitting around the campfire, and, you know, he's got, like, the typical... You know, like, the, the stereotypical Vietnam characters from stereotypical Nam War movies, or, mm-hmm. like... Um, kind of like it's got like this kind of grindhousey feel about it and there's these grindhousey type characters in it like um oh what are their names uh the hippie is called burnout you know <laughs> and it's it, that kind of that kind of grindhousey humor and that kind of grindhousey stereotyping with the characters you know it's great um and you've got geronimo who's like this um this this hispanic guy who was mistaken for an apache when he signed up so they all call him geronimo and it's um the artwork is is absolutely gorgeous uh but the the way it's written is is very grind housey and then he, he they're all sitting there one night and he starts feeling ill and they're like oh you know you got he's such a, a weak little kid he's got no business being here in vietnam with us because he's you know he, why did he get assigned to us we don't want it they're kind of like you know discussing like ah oh, you know he's he's too he's too weak for this Shouldn't be here, kind of thing, and the, and you know, and they're all like, "Oh, I'll lay off him!" And then all of a sudden, like hell breaks loose. The Viet Cong show up, and um, he's actually feeling ill because it's a full moon, and he's turning into a werewolf. <laughs> so he, he hits werewolf mode, gets big, furry, and clawy. The violence in it is like it's it's visceral, but at the same time, it's comic and cartoon. But then it remains like fairly grounded. So the violence looks like proper violence, like it's really like graphic and. Imagine, like, something really cartoony, but then with really graphic violence. So, a, a cartoon holds, like, But when, when, when its head gets blown off, its head gets blown off, and you see it in graphic detail, full gory brains everywhere stuff, you know? Mm. It's like that, and it's fantastic. And there's a bit where he puts his, like, big werewolf claw through some dude's head and slices the head into, like, different chunks, and it's just like, ah. Um, <laughs> but when Apparently. when he turns into a werewolf... He he's he's still using his machine gun as well. So he turns into his he turns into a werewolf, runs up to the he's like using his machine gun, and then he he kind of turns on his own team a little bit when one of them turns on him.
1: Greg, is this an actual comic or a weird fever dream? Yeah,
0: <laughs> this is a comic. It could have been one of my it could have it could have been one of my fever dreams. It's the kind of thing. Stole it
2: from your head. They did, yeah,
0: they they did. They've been they've some got some kind of device planted in me or something because this is the kind of thing that I come out with, you know but yeah no he's um, I, I genuinely love this book and I've been raving about it on Twitter and I've been yeah no it's great you
2: yeah, have been talking about it a lot yeah yeah,
0: <laughs> but yeah it, it ends with a, a cliffhanger because I get the feeling that the uh, the Viet Cong are going to have their own monster but we'll uh, uh. we'll see what happens next time um, <laughs> so yeah Narnwolf <laughs> read it werewolves cool. Vietnam grindhousey uh, redneck is vampires Texas, you know, family feuds and god shaper is punk rock. So you know, punk rock, <laughs> punk rock, spirited away. Just, just read them. Um, yeah. Anybody else got anything else they wanted to mention <laughs> before I go into my?
2: I, yeah, there's one comic I forgot to talk about because yeah. I kind of fucked up the order of things earlier. Yeah. So sorry about that. Yeah, but um, I read a comic called They're Not Like Us. Yep. Um, Subtitle, Black Holes for the Young. And so you can immediately tell it's slightly pretentious. Um, But so, okay, so it's written by Eric Stevenson, who is the editorial head of Image Comics. Yeah. Um, So it's like his own thing that he started. Um, And basically the easiest way I can summarize this is imagine if so imagine the X-Men comics. Imagine if Professor Xavier was a sociopath and all of his mutant underlings are selfish assholes. That's basically this comic book. Except it's kind of like it's quite grounded and a little bit morose. It starts off with the lead character whose name is Sid. Um, she's about to like throw herself off a hospital roof, and then does it, and she wakes up in the hospital, um, regretting what she's done, and being helped out of being being stolen from the hospital by this mysterious smoking man, um, like a really well dressed guy who comes into the hospital smoking and steals her out of there. It turns out she was jumping off the roof because she's a telepath. She can hear voices, and all this time for her entire life, she believed that she was crazy and nobody would believe her. It turns out there's more people like her in, you know, usual mutant X-Men so- style Sorry
0: fashion. to interrupt you there, Ray. Is this a comic yeah. or an X-Files episode? Because you mentioned a mysterious well- smoking man walking <laughs> into a hospital going after a telepath.
2: <laughs> well, it, 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 it does kind of remind me of, like, one of the cheesier episodes of X-Files. yeah. But- if it was written by, I don't know, like an angsty teen or designed for angsty teens. Because the whole thing is like, when I said Professor Xavier being a sociopath, the smoking guy, his name is The Voice, and he is also a telepath. Or It's not quite clear what his power is, but he has some ability to stifle the voices in Sid's head. Yeah. And he brings her away to what he calls a safe space. So he has a mansion. But it turns out it's not a mansion that he was that was inherited. He stole the mansion and the house next door to it, and all of the stuff inside the mansion is stolen. <laughs> and so he introduces Sid to all the other inhabitants of this mansion, and they're all just like her. Um, so you know, runaways who were shunned by society because people didn't quite understand what their their mutant power was. Or like, yeah, it's yeah. not a world where people are aware of mutants. They're just it's perceived to be crazy people who you know don't deserve a place in society and basically every single one of these characters is an entitled asshole like it's that it's the it's like if the x-men um but a mutant without a cause like they don't have a particular thing to fight for so they fight for themselves so they go out and just steal and rob uh from people to fuel their own lifestyle okay because they feel like society owes them yeah and it's this it's kind of a weird thing where um So there's a character called Moon, and she's the one who can uh, create illusions. So we see them go out as a group into the street to test Sid's abilities when the voice takes away his suppression, and she falls to the ground. And at the same time, they encounter somebody who'd been staring at them, and it turns out he was a um, convicted paedophile. So they use her illusion to basically beat up this pedophile but make everyone else in the crowd think that he's playing the guitar and now that's that's one thing because it feels like an acceptable target but at the same time they go around attacking just random people in the street for the pettiest of reasons like um they mug a guy so they beat him up and steal all his stuff to fuel their own you know to steal his credit cards and to steal his things purely because he wore a pair of vintage headphones and they just didn't like that about him <laughs> and so it's about this out the protagonist that we follow called Sid, who's being dragged along on this like kind of adventure with these this weird colorful cast of violent characters but not quite being comfortable with it and i think that same discomfort translates to to us reading it cuz i didn't i didn't like any of them but you get a sense towards the end that it's leading to something more and there's something sinister going on yeah. in this mansion with this character of the voice and how he's got all of these these other mutants on his side and doing these same terrible acts and requiring sacrifices from them for this safe space. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I'd, I'd recommend it if you want to see like a a flip on the, the, you know, the standard X-Men tropes.
0: Yeah, no, that sounds, that sounds fairly interesting. Actually. That sounds really good. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, wow. A lot of things we've read this month. Uh,
2: (laughs) Yeah, we started off saying that we hadn't had time to read anything, but it turns out we all did find space to cram in at least one big, yeah, one big story. Yeah,
0: I mean, I've got um, there's the usual like list of stuff that I've been reading. So, I mean, things as like still following curse words, getting the X Men comics still because they're doing like the True Believers X Men books. So, I'm getting those, uh, which is like Marvel reprinting stuff, um, but they're reprinting like cool comics, and I quite like it. So. Still following All Star Batman, uh obviously still following God Country, I've already talked about that. Um I've been following Underwinter still. I picked up the first issue of Batman and the Shadow. So does anyone remember a movie called The Shadow?
2: No. Refresh my memory.
0: Uh comic book he wears a red scarf. I
1: remember
2: Saves that. People mm. has them in his debt. It's it's
0: like a crossover between Batman and the Shadow. It's like Batman versus the Shadow. Um, still following Thanos. Um, the Old guards. Uh, I picked up a comic called Dead Orbit, which is an Aliens comic, which I'm going to talk about in another show. Um, Turtles, the usual stuff. Uh, it's just so much stuff that I usually buy. Like, my stack is just ever-growing, as always. Um, and... Yeah. So... I'm, again, I'm buried under comics, but it's great. I love it. I love being buried under comics.
2: Slowly digging your way out. Yeah, exactly. Slowly. <laughs> it's been two weeks. So yeah. you're
0: reading my way out. I mean, this week I'm getting, um, like, I'm looking. This week I'm looking forward to because when this comes out, this comes out obviously on New Comics Day. So this week I'm going to be getting another another issue of uh, Ghostbusters 101 and another issue of Extremity, which are both fantastic books that you should that people should be reading. I've talked about them on previous shows, um, and I've actually dropped a couple of things from my stack, which I'm sad to say, but I had to, which is like, you know, G.I. Joe and Mask. They kept letting me down. Uh, But, you know, there's a load of new stuff coming in summer and it's free comic book day on Saturday. So Saturday, I'm pretty hyped for that. I'm going down to London to see Ray and Leon. And we're going to go and have a walk around the London comic stores to see, you know, kind of stuff's going on on free comic book day. Can't
1: wait!
2: Yeah, it's gonna be yeah we're going to cool. kicking kids out of the way to steal their comics. <laughs> it's really awesome.
0: But yeah, I quit. I quit masking GI Joe because you know they were letting me down, and then I realised they were bad comics. And knowing is half the battle. <laughs> so
1: yeah, and it, it's a good lesson because uh, yeah. often you can get attached to characters or something. Or yeah, you're like it might, it might get better. It might get better. But it, like, I mean, constantly we're always talking about the stack. There's like a million things on both me and Rahul's lists. Um, there's just not enough. There's too much good uh, content out there yeah. to waste your time yeah. reading stuff that isn't satisfying. Exactly. You know? Yeah.
0: I mean, why? Why continue reading something or wasting time with something that you're not enjoying? I mean, obviously, people out there will still enjoy these comics. I'm not saying that they're they're bad for everyone because people might might like these books. But for me, they just weren't my cup of tea anymore. And I'm you know I'm a fan of these you know the old cartoons, retro toys, stuff like that. The reason I started buying these books in the first place is because. I used to like the mass TV show and I used to watch G.I. Joe as a kid and I quite like, you know, retro toys. I like 80, 1980s toys. I think they're cool to look at and display and things. But they, um, they just let me down. These books just totally let me down now. And I'm just like, you know what, no more. I, I can't, eat as much as I'm attached to these franchises, I can't keep spending money on things that I don't like. So I'd rather... Yeah, and there's, nothing to s- yeah. Well,
2: there's nothing to say that you can't, like in 10 years' time, go back and just whiz through them all at some point. So that, you know... Yeah yeah you just spend your spend your time currently reading the things that you enjoy
0: that's it I'm gonna spend my money yeah. on the stuff I want to spend my money on like God shaper <laughs> and redneck and narmwolf and all these other amazing comics so yeah um and I guess unless you guys are anything let's just say that wraps it up yeah,
2: I've got yeah.
0: more so um yeah guys um support your local comic shops get down on free comic book day pick up your free comics there's loads of cool stuff including a TMNT comic which i'm very excited about. Which is the, the the main thing for me to be honest, but uh, <laughs> this is the main reason I'm going, but yeah, um get yourselves down to free comic book day check out what's going on at your store, different stores put on different events um it's worth doing it it's worth getting out and you know support your local comic shop because we need them they're there yeah, for, I, for you I'm
1: looking forward to, I'm looking forward to it um I have no idea what I'm gonna pick up, so it's yeah. gonna be holistic I'm just gonna close my eyes and <laughs> run my fingers against the covers. And... <laughs> <laughs>
2: See what you're going to end up with. No, let a comic pick me. Yeah. I'm going to stick my hand in a jar of jam and
1: just grab whatever sticks in my hand. <laughs> Do that in Forbidden Planet, not all people. <laughs> yeah, gonna,
0: definitely not. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk in and then not be able to walk out again. I'll be encumbered. Too heavy to move. Okay. <laughs> heavy okay. To, too heavy to move. But I misheard that for a
2: second. You, know what? you misheard <laughs> it? <laughs> no, 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 yeah, no, over-encumbered, I got it.
0: Yeah, yeah, over-encumbered. Um, but yeah, um so this has been ace comicals you can find us on twitter at ace comicals you can find us on facebook facebook uh, facebook ace comicals you can find us uh www.acecomicals.com you can find us on your your favorite um podcast apps um we like to use pocket casts because that's the one that we know but i'm sure there are other podcast apps you can find us on uh you can find us on itunes under ace comicals and you can you can get in touch with us at acecomicals.gmail.com you can get in touch with me on twitter at bato or at ace comicals i'm sure you can get in touch with these guys through the ace comicals channels as well so if you have a question you want to field to us uh, ask us anything we'll feature it in the next show if you ask us a question we will answer it
2: um ray where can we find you uh, on Twitter at monkers, so that's at M-O-O-N-K-E-H. And Leon, where can we find you?
1: You can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Leon Everett. And just before we sign off, um, by the time this goes up, you should find a nice image of uh, Metalcast Michelangelo that uh, Greg bought me. Um, I think it was off air when I related the story, but when I was in primary school some douchebag stole my Michelangelo. So uh, Greg here in the story... Uh, became a hero and uh, <laughs> right right to the wrong two decades after it happened so yeah I'm, I'm very grateful for that and once uh, I'm all set up it's going to sit proudly on my shelf
0: everybody Thank needs a right. Michelangelo I can't stand <laughs> people like like I can't stand stories like that it's like when my little brother like when he was a kid and he got his Pokemon Silver cartridge nicked at school or so. I think it was Pokemon Silver he had nicked off him and oh, it's just like God, oh the, the injustice yeah. of it all you know it's like that's an- everyone did everyone needs a Michelangelo I think everyone should have a Michelangelo for sure yeah that's been ace comicals Ace comicals over and out thanks for listening